One of Russia's biggest cults requires the ultimate sacrifice. And then we take a trip to Italy, where a small fire reveals a burned skeleton. That's only the start of the mystery. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I'm shaking my head. I'm not having a great day. I just said that for the meme. Oh, dude, today has sucked. Sucked. Listen, man, if you guys know me, you guys know me, I am not a handman. I am not, I think the term actually is handyman, but I'm not that either. And so recently I've been tasked, I've been given the mission to install a window air conditioner into my apartment. Now, behind the scenes, this has taken up quite a lot of my time. And I hate it. I hate doing it. And so finally, there's no there's no joke there. It's just me hating it. Finally, today, I was like buying this stuff and then having to return it. And I had to get a power drill because I'm not a handyman. I don't own none of that stuff. I had to buy like screwdrivers. I had those, but I had to buy some other screwdrivers and wood, and get it cut, and then it wasn't cut right, and then it turns out I didn't even need the wood in the first place. So now, yesterday, I finally figured it out, after honestly a week of this, okay? Honestly a week of, you're like, get to the ghost. Hold on, I'll get to the ghost. I'll get to the ghost. There's a ghost floating around in the background, okay? There you go. While I'm trying to install this air conditioner, there's a ghost shaking its head, going, "Uh uh-uh. I'm a better handyman than you, and I've been dead for 100 years. I finally get the air conditioner safely mounted, screwing stuff in everywhere. I have all these mounts. The thing will not move. It would take a full-on earthquake to get it to tumble out of my window right now. And I was quite proud of myself, right? I came home. I did it. I got everything drilled in. I go to plug it in. The cord's too small! And the little, the, the outlets in my bedroom is only the two-prong, and I need the three-prong. Now, it says right on the cord, the power cord, do not use an extension cord, but they sell extension cords for air conditioners. So I've spent the past half hour trying to make sense of that, right? I mean, come on, universe, what are you doing? It's literally maybe three inches short, because there's a plug on the other side of the wall. Oh... And there's a ghost, okay? There's a ghost, and there was a member of the Illuminati standing in the background, and a serial killer, and they were all just shaking their head. There you go. It's it's on topic. It's on topic. I don't want to get any complaints saying, Jason talks about <laughs> stupid stuff for the first three minutes before he gets to the ghost. Yeah, there was a ghost. There was a ghost helping me install it, okay? So anyways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I have to go get like some super heavy duty 10 gauge extension cord. I don't like none of that stuff, bro. That's the reason why I have a podcast about ghosts. Cause I don't do none of this handyman stuff. I got, ugh, whatever. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with you. This is a good episode too. It's so funny cause I was like, we got some really good topics and I should have recorded it. But I came home from lunch and I go, I'm going to install that air conditioner first. I'm, I plan on moving my whole studio in there. You're like, Jason, get to the ghost. We're getting to the ghost. We're getting to the ghost. We're getting to the ghosts right now. First off, I got to give a shout out to our newest Patreon. He's like, I don't want to be introduced in this angry, angry episode. Steve 
Steve Jones. Yeah, Steve. That sounds like a wrestler name. Maybe it's because I'm thinking of like Stone Cold Steve Austin and then that other wrestler, uh, Jonesy. Jonesy the pile drive boy. I don't know. Anyways, Steve Jones, thank you so much. Please don't body slam me. Maybe you know how to install an air conditioner. You're welcome to come on over. You're going to be our pilot for this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's okay. Help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot as well, spreading the word. And actually, Steve Jones, first off, let's hop in the carbon copter. We are going to drive out to Bryan, Texas, because yesterday's episode, we did a story about the scream noise, right? Remember that? Ah! This is what I love about you guys. This is what I absolutely love about you guys. Now, my thing, what I don't love the fact that you guys scream in the wilderness. My suggestion was it was the uh, YouTube sound clip. The, the, someone was playing the YouTube sound clip very, very loudly. Um, I, last night, like maybe an hour after the episode went up, I got a tweet from the official George H.W. Bush memorial account. I don't know whether... I'm assuming... This is not the actual official George H.W. Bush Memorial account, because they've been following the show for a long time. If they are, I'm pleased, Your Honor, um, Your Majesty, but it's, I, or it might just be a meme name, I don't know, or both. At this point, the internet just perplexes me. The official George H.W. Bush Memorial account said, here's the answer, boop. And so what it was was that uh, Texas A&M said that it was a pressure release valve that was going off. And it was specifically at the Global Health Research Complex at Texas A&M. And that was reported by at KBTX Rusty, which is a news dude, uh, Rusty Surratt. So thank you, Rusty. Thank you, official George H.W. Bush memorial account. So that's look, and I'll play the audio clip here. So loud. <laughs> what the heck? I think they're letting off something. So that is taken basically at ground zero at Texas A&M. Picking up that sound. So apparently it was the release valve. So there we go. Some people still think it was a sky sound and the end of the world and all that stuff. So it wasn't my suggestion. And I'm fine with that. I didn't have money writing on it. I'm like, dagnabbit. But there we go. So so thank you, George H.W. Bush, for letting us know about that. Let's go ahead and hop back in the carpenter copter. And Steve, Mr. Jones, I want you to take us up, up and away. We're headed off for our first proper story today. We are headed out to Mother Russia. And we're technically going back in time to the year 1645. Helicopters flying over. Lush. I don't know what the... What's the biome in Russia? Snowy? It's like, I'm sure there's grass and stuff. There's a bunch of wheat. Now, in 1645, you had a splinter group of Christians appear. We have the splinter group of Christians. Now, these guys were called... The Kylists. And Kylist means, literally means, whipped. They whipped themselves. Which you guys have probably seen that. Not in real life, hopefully not. But there was that movie. What was that movie with Tom Hanks running around stealing paintings? Um, And apparently I can't pronounce the word paintings. Um, Da Vinci Code. Remember there was that bad guy who was whipping himself? 
Well, these guys would do these guys had an entire religion based around a two minute scene in a thriller from the year 2002. But anyways, they would whip themselves. They would whip each other. They'd get whipped up in a frenzy. And they would do it to repent. They didn't just do it because they were bored on a Saturday. But they might have done that too. Now, sometimes though, you're like, why would anyone join that cult? And the thing is, is like you have cults called like the Sunshine Community. And you go there and like you're getting your arm chopped off with a chainsaw. This one is, they tell you exactly what you're getting into, right? This is not a hidden cult. You know, (laughs) it's called the Whips. So you know when you sign up for this group, you know what you're getting into. But people are still like, give me some of that weapon. And this is why, though. One, because they thought it was real, path to salvation. Other two, sometimes they'd be whipping each other so much, they'd start banging. They'd have a big old orgy. At least that's the rumor. That's the rumor. That would be really disappointing if you're like, oh, I've been getting whipped for three months, but one of these days, the orgy's coming, right? Right, guys? As they're pulling out even bigger whips. Now, this is ridiculous. This is like a ridiculous cult, right? I mean, again, some cults just take your money. And these some cults are physically abusive. If you had to choose between the two, if you choose the money one, right? But these guys didn't. 40,000 people signed up for this. So we have the 1645. We have the cult called the Kylis. But that's not the main group we're going to be talking about. In the 1760s, there was a runaway peasant. His name was Kondraty Ivanovich Solonovo. And he started his own breakaway group. Had a little bit of the Kylist, a little bit of that homegrown Christianity. He starts a group, right? It's called the Scopsy. The Scopsy. If there was a cult called the Kylist, and they were based in your home country, assuming you're not Russian, you would go, oh, maybe that means like summer sun, right? Maybe that's a fun cult. You go in, you start getting whipped. Same thing with the Scopsy. For us, for anyone who's not speaking Russian, you'd be like, oh, maybe that's the name of the leader. Maybe that's the name of their god. What Skopsy means is, it's literally means castrate. So if you thought you had it bad, you're in the whipping cult and you're like, oh man, I'm getting out of this. My back hurts. Skin's flayed open. I can't swim in salt water anymore. I'm going to go join this other cult. And then you go to the Skopsky because you didn't read the sign or because the person who's telling you about it doesn't know how to pronounce it. So you don't know what it means. You go in there. Next thing you know, people are pulling out big old knives. Actually, we'll get to that in a second. So this was, the people who were whipping each other, their thing was, this is the path to repentance. Self-flagellation, flagellation, it's a, it's, you see that in Catholicism too. So people beat themselves up over sins they've committed. All this is, is a physical manifestation of that. So you're feeling bad for what you do, say 10 Hail Marys. These guys are like, you feel bad for what you did, whip yourself. Whip it real good. Now, these guys, though, the Scopsies, have a different way of looking at it. So what the Scopsies believed was that human genitals were the source of all human misery. It was the mark of Cain. It was when you take the forbidden fruit, when Eve (laughs) ate that forbidden fruit and then gave it to Adam and he ate it too. It was then split in half and grafted onto the human body. So for the men, it was their testicles and their penis. And for a woman, it became the boobs. So these were the actual physical manifestations of sin. And they believe that Jesus Christ, like you look for this secret hidden code. And when he was talking about Jews and Gentiles, we got to treat them the same. Before you look at the sawdust in someone else's eye, look at the plank of wood in yours. 
All of these great things he said. He was without sin, Cassifer Stone. All these great little parables. Him wrecking, punching people in the temple. That was always my favorite Bible story. He goes to church and a bunch of people are selling stuff there. And he just starts laying waste. That was That was always my favorite Bible story. But you have that. He also, in between the lines, Jesus had castrated himself. And all of his apostles had castrated himself. Except for Judas. Judas was like, just pretending. He's like talking. He's faking a really high voice. Yeah, guys, I'm totally castrated. And he's like checking out some hot chick. He, they believed that the, the apostles and Jesus were castrated as well. So what do you have to be? The, the point of the Bible is to be Christ-like. And if Christ had his genitals removed, so should you. Now, it's too late. You can't back out. You've already joined this cult. You're like, no, I didn't agree to this. It's just me and Steve Jones, because he's the Patreon supporter for this episode. We're laughing. We're eating popcorn. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. If you did have to join this cult, there's a couple different ways you could go about it. And, And to be fair, not everyone in the cult got castrated. Some people were just looky-loos. Some people joined it, and they walked the walk, but they didn't talk the talk. Or is it the opposite? They talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. They got castrated, but they're like, oh, I don't believe it. I'm agnostic. They had the lesser seal castration, which is the removal of the testicles. And then they had the greater seal, which you also removed the penis. And then you had to use... I don't understand how this works, but apparently it says you had to use a goat horn to urinate. What? I don't get it. Like, I do. You, I, don't, I, I. Okay, here's the thing. I probably could have Google. I probably could have Googled that, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to. And I would suggest you don't either. Bunch of Ken doll looking dudes walking around with goat horns. I don't. I don't know. But anyways, you figure you would just let it run down your leg at that point. You have bigger problems. Your genitals are gone. It doesn't matter where your pee goes. The women would have their breasts removed and then their clitoris and their labia removed as well. Now I keep using the term removed. When the cult first started, they really were into the castrating thing, but they didn't do much with, like, knives. They would burn it off. They'd get, like, a red-hot iron. Steam shooting up. Remember that part in Return of the Jedi? When that robot is trapped in Jabba's palace, and he's upside down, his little feet. His little feet are moving, and then the thing came down and burned his feet. Remember, Imagine that scene, but it's not a sci-fi movie. It's not his feet, and it's you. Okay? That's what was going on. And eventually, like, after, like, years and years and years and years and years, they started just cutting it off. I don't know why it took them so long. Knives were, knives predated this cult. And I was reading that, and I thought, imagine, you're like, okay, I'm finally going to get it done. You go in, they break out, they break out the hot iron, and they just hold it on you until everything's burned off. And you're like, ah! And then... The next day, they're like, hey, we've decided to change our practices. We have a new system set up. It's called the scalpel. Like, somebody was that guy. Somebody was the last guy that they burned up. Because it's not, you're not made of clay. It's not like you can just press a hot iron on somebody and then everything just falls off. You'd have to hold it there for a while. So anyways, this cult lasted until 1797. It actually it actually lasts till today. But what happened was in 1797... The dude was running some scam. He got thrown in jail. Eventually he gets out. He escapes from Siberia. All this stuff is going on. The whole time people are cutting off their balls. Eventually, eventually this gets to the point of Stalin's era Russia. And he, they just arrested everyone. To this day, there still are Scopsy people. But they no longer castrate themselves, as far as we know. Now it's just some bizarre cult religion, fringe religion in Russia. 
But this story I wanted to give because this is actually a springboard for a separate yet related story tomorrow. I didn't want to have them both in the same episode because that's way too much, way too much castration. But next episode, we're going to go to Poland to look at a cult that exists today and have been connected with not only missing testicles, but missing people. But that's a little teaser for tomorrow. So, Steve, let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. Let's take a little road trip. We're going from Russia to Italy. And we drive through, like, a little dotted line coming across the map. We drive through, like, Turkey and stuff, and then we're coming through the Mediterranean, and, like, we're outrunning Zeus and stuff like that. He's still around, right? Well, he wasn't fast. He was an old man. We're out. Who's the fast dude? The Flash! We're outrunning that god, that Greek god, the Flash, driving past him. And then we get to Italy. Now, this story was a request from Fabian Nurbon. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I probably should have checked. But Fabian sent me a ton of stories the other day. Really, really appreciate it. I'd never heard of this story before. Here we go. This is really, really interesting. So thank you, Fabian. I got all of my information from an Italian newspaper called Il Tempo. And this was written by Angela Di Pietro. So I gotta give a he- I gotta give credit to where credit's due. Thank you so much, Angela, for this great uh, investigative piece. It's July sixth, two thousand seven. So we're no longer in ancient Russia. Like this is within our lifetime. We're in the Via del Pascalia. It's the outskirts of Rome in Italy. We're driving along that Jason Jalopy. I'm like Steve. Steve, slow down. Slow down. Starting to slow down. I don't know why it got quieter. He turned the engine off. Now we're just gliding down a hill. And we see a field on fire. Now, it's not a huge raging fire. It's just a little fire. Firefighter crews are already there. And they're spraying it down. Now, we got on our firefighter uniforms, guys. Let's go. We're hopping out of the Jason Jalopy. We're blending in with the rest of the firefighters. No, we're all wearing like one... You're on my shoulders, and we're wearing one fireman's outfit. So we're like a little rascals. We're walking around in this giant fire. Well, now we're like eight feet tall. Hopefully we're taller. That would, that would only make you two feet. Anyways, we're walking around. The fire's put out. The firefighters are all walking around. And in the middle of this little fire patch is a skeleton. It's funny because on a recent episode, I made the comment, at what point does it go from a pile of bones to being a skeleton? Like it... If they just find the rib cage and like half an arm bone and the skull, do they consider that finding the skeleton? At what point? This, they find a full human skeleton, head to foot, laying there in this burned out field. And they, they, they looked at it and they go, it's, it's laying on its back. It looks like somebody fell and died and, or was just laying down and was looking up at the sky and then just kind of melted into a skeleton. It looked fairly peaceful. But there's no meat, there's no flesh, there's no way to ID the body except for a little fanny pack sitting next to the body. They go through the fanny pack and they find an ID card of a man named Libero Ricci. Libero Ricci. They also find some keys and nearby they find a pile of clothes that had not been burned either. Libero Ricci was a 77-year-old retiree. In 1943, his mother, Rebecca Moscato, had to flee German persecution because, and I, I didn't know this. I had to, I saw that line and I was like, I, I didn't know this. I knew that the Germans were persecuting people in 1943, but apparently 
After Italy, and forgive me if my details are a little bit wrong, but after Italy surrendered, I guess Germany moved troops into Italy? Like, I didn't know that. And then they were kind of wrecking stuff in northern Italy? Is that common knowledge? I didn't know that, so forgive my ignorance. But apparently, like, his family had to kind of go underground as German troops were moving in Italy. Yeah, I didn't know that had happened. Um, But anyways... I always thought that Italy just kind of... I thought we were fighting in Italy for so long and we were fighting in Germany and eventually Italy gave up. But anyway, so his family had... Because they were Jewish. I forgot that detail. He's Jewish. That, that It wasn't just that his family owed Hitler money. His family was Jewish. Totally forgot that detail. His family was Jewish. They're like, why are the Nazis picking on this family? That's why. So he was Jewish. His mother was Jewish. Uh, Nazis came in. They're They're persecuting him. Okay, he... After all that happens, after World War II happens, he ends up getting a job with the Vatican and works his entire career in the Vatican and retires from the Vatican. He's a very, very well-liked man. On October 31st, 2003, bye, bye, honey, he tells his wife he's going for a walk and he's never seen again until four years later when his skeleton is found in this field. So a tragic story. Right. Who knows what happened to him? Was he kidnapped? Was it foul play? Did he run away? Did he have some sort of mental breakdown? Who knows? But on 2003, October 31st, the spookiest day of the year, he disappears and then he's found in 2007. So the police, because the firefighters, they're, they're not doing all this investigation. They call them the police. The police show up and do all this stuff. Now we're both wearing a giant cop uniform. You're on my shoulders. And they go to Libero's family and they go, we found him. We probably should have coached that better. Don't get excited. Don't get excited when I said we found him. We found his remains. And they say we found a skeleton in this field and things like that. They go, here's his ID card that we found, and here's his keys. And the family goes, oh, that is his stuff. That is his ID card. And and those are his keys. And then when the cops showed them the clothes found next to the body, his wife goes, oh, those weren't the clothes he was wearing when he left. Those weren't the clothes he was, those aren't his. Now, that's, people change, people change clothes over the course of four years. So that's not, that's not what immediately made the cops suspicious. But it wouldn't make it seem like he, if he did go missing that day, that he must have been living a life, doing something outside of just, you know, walking into a field and falling down dead. If he's changed his clothes. But it's, that's not the key detail. What they do have to do, though, is identify the skeleton. So they send the skeleton out to the Institute of Forensic Medicine, and they take a look at it. Imagine getting this phone call. You're the lead investigator of this homicide, missing person case, who knows, body thing. Gets a phone call. The skeleton is not of Libero Ricci. It's not. It's actually the skeleton of five different people. Now, it's not Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's not like five skeletons and they all morphed into one giant skeleton. I'm the foot. The skull was of a woman. These are all estimates. But the skull was of a woman who was between the ages of 45 and 55, who died between 2002 and 2006. There was bones of another woman between 20 to 35 years old who died between 92 and 98. A third woman, between 35 to 40 years old, died between 1995 and 2002. A man who was 40 to 50 years old and died between the year 2002 and 2006. 
and another man between the ages of 25 and 40 years old who died between 1986 and 1989. So you have a vast range of time. I think the youngest one would be 1986 to the late to possibly up to 2006. You had this collection of body parts. So even bones that may have been from someone who died just the year before the skeleton was found. Five different people, and none of the bones belonged to Libero. None of them. The only thing that connects him to the scene is his ID and his keys. But it gets even weirder, because the skull is of a woman, and they don't know who it belongs to. They don't know who any of these bones belong to. These are just guesses. They said these aren't from graves. Because there is no zinc or wood tracing on any of the bones. We do not believe these were dug up. We also don't believe that these bones were picked up by scavengers and brought into the area or anything like that. There was no bite marks or signs of scavenger activity. These bones were taken most likely from... Well, they all come from previously living people, but they were most likely not from graveyards. They were most likely from victims... And they were not brought here by happenstance. It just happened to form a skeleton. Somebody put them here on purpose. This is not just scavengers bringing a pile of bones. That would be one set of organized dingoes to be able to do that. The skull of... Let me get back to this part because I got distracted. The skull of the body was a woman who, based on genetic testing, is related to Libero Ricci. So that is another bizarre connection to a man who still, to this day, has never been found. Says goodbye to his wife to go for a walk on October 31st, 2003. Disappears off the face of the earth. Four years later, his ID is found next to a pile of bones, assembled from the bones of five other people, one of them a female relative. But they don't know which relative. They have no idea who this possibly could be. Only that, genetically speaking, the Skull and Libero are related. And that's the end. Like, talk about a a mystery. Fabian, thank you so much for this story. I mean, think about the implications of all of this. In Italy, this case is known as the Bone Collector. For obvious reasons, right? So you think, is there a serial killer out there? Is Libero the serial killer? Is Fabian the serial killer? He's like, yes, now my handiwork will get even more exposure. (laughs) We have possible Nazi-like revenge. We have possible Vatican connections. We have um, a serial killer so crazy they're like building humans out of the bones of the victims and now that i think about it he has skulls from these other four bodies there may be other undiscovered skeletons and who set the fire did the killer set the fire so the body would be discovered some of those victims they could have died up until a year before this happened like i was saying earlier so was the skeleton assembled that day and the fire set and the killer leave it would be weird if Somebody built that skeleton, and then there just happened to be a fire. So why was the, why was attention brought to the body? Why was the ID left there? Was it Libero trying to fake his own death? But if that's the case, he waited four years to do it. The whole story's bizarre. But now that I think about it, there could be four more skeletons, complete skeletons out there somewhere, arranged in a different way. Because you'd have still all those unused bones. You could 
combine them whatever way you wanted to. Is Libero the perpetrator? Is he the victim? Is he the victim of a conspiracy that was from the 1940s? Was he a victim of a conspiracy that came out of one of the most powerful churches in the world? Was he simply a victim of circumstance? Was he walking down the street and got pulled into this bizarre, horrible world of murder and bone collecting? We don't know. We may never know who did this. We may never know why. We may never know if there are more skeletons out there. Assembled from the body parts of these five people. And we may never know if there are even more victims waiting to be discovered. Because the one thing we know about collectors, their collection, is never truly complete. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.